You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello and welcome to episode 311 of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. This is Eric. And I'm Dan. Eric, why the delay? Well, I was trying to decide if I wanted to, to do the uh, the joke in this movie where they say, uh, Ray, this is Walter. No! And so that's why I said, this is Eric, but I decided at the last minute to just say, this is Eric. So it was a it was a whole thing. It was bad. I don't have nearly the the comedic chops or timing of, of someone like uh, Mr. Tom Hanks. I mean, See, the good joke though would have been if Nathan had just said Rover Red Rover Red Rover is Eric ready to come over? <laughs> <laughs> or Video Monsters is good. Video Monsters is our friend. Video Monsters is good. Video Monsters is our friend. Hail Video Monsters. Yes. So, Video Monsters is your pal. Tonight. We are starting off our to listen to this. Uh, <clears throat> Tonight we are starting off our Thanksgiving series with uh, with the burbs. And also apparently we're starting off with me having a bit of a cold. So this is going to be fun podcasting with me and my finger on the mute button like the entire time. Um cool. yeah. I'm getting over a cold, you're getting a cold. It's just uh we're sharing the yeah. love around here. I am positive that you gave me some sort of virus through the computer, dude. Because, like, you were texting, like, oh, my kid's throwing up, and uh, my throat's all sore. And then, like, the next night, my kid is puking, and my throat's getting sore. So, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Um, we uh, we definitely are not practicing safe cyber uh, no. cyber discourse. If, I don't if, know what you- if this were a 90s movie, it's definitely what would have happened back before, you know, when you could just say the internet could do anything. <laughs> we transmitted the virus to the internet. Sandra yeah. Bullock is flipping like her shit right stuff. now is what's going on. Because, oh, you know, the, the net. Dude, we need to cover the, the net. net. That'd be fun. I've never seen the net. What? I've never seen hackers. I've never seen Lawnmower Man. I've never seen any of these like 90s. I, I really want to do a 90s like techno thriller series because these movies all sound batshit crazy and i want they to watch are. them <laughs> we are going so, to do yeah. an episode Just, or, or what's that, that one with denzel washington uh virtuosity virtuosity yeah it, because it, this it was, was back like, when the internet was literally just at like some colleges and you could just like people were just getting aol and you could just say oh the internet can do this and no one could really refute you right nobody knows what the <laughs> you're talking about like, maybe it can i don't know <laughs> just sure why like, not this sure yeah we uh it's it's kind of a tangent uh tangentially related to that but uh we also need to throw in conspiracy theory with mel gibson um because you know it's because i have lots of jokes but i'll save them for when we do that episode that's a richard is that the richard donner movie okay i've seen someone needs to remake that though and make it q centric yeah, <laughs> someone absolutely. needs to make that remake that movie with the Mel Gibson character like being full on QAnon. 
Yeah, that, that's where a lot of my jokes were coming from. It's just like there's an entire movie about like conspiracy theories and conspiracy nuts. And that movie made so much more sense than, uh, you know, the, the people who uh, were part of the instruction on January 6th. But anywho, that's not what we're Speaking talking of about. Conspiracy theories. I mean, kind Spe- of fits the theme of the of the episode tonight. It- the Burbs is just total. I mean, maybe, maybe more like um, not quite conspiracy theory, but you've got the uh, like the, uh, the the lore and you know mass hysteria and all that kind of stuff running around in it mm. yeah there there's some fun things that i want us to talk about tonight uh and, and we're going to uh yeah so tonight we're starting our Thanksgiving series with the burbs because i'm not the ready burbs. for halloween the burbs I'm not ready for Halloween to be over because uh, I didn't celebrate Halloween because my kid was throwing up again. Thanks, Eric. Uh, so, so, yeah, like I completely missed Thanks Halloween. <laughs> Thanks, Sandra Bullock. I completely <laughs> missed Halloween. And so like I, I have not yet had that release of like, yay, Halloween. All right, time to start getting ready for Christmas. And and so for me, we're, we are not yet moving on from horror movies aside from the fact this is primarily a horror movie podcast uh so we are transitioning into some of the more lighthearted um tom hanks movies by starting with the burbs so one thing that's pretty interesting to me is like we spend so much time talking about horror movies on this podcast but we have i'm I, i'm struggling to think of a single other like just straight comedy that we've ever really covered on this podcast which is weird because like they're kind of like cousins i feel horror and comedy like most of the comedies are horror comedies that we've covered and it's it's weird i'm trying to think like is have we ever cut like i think the closest we've come is the truman show maybe um we (laughs) we talked about trapped in paradise does that count uh well i mean to be a comedy here's here's the thing about comedies nathan is that they're supposed to be funny well here's the other thing about comedies they are subjective and like with comedy there's a lot of just like hey that was funny because it was funny like there's less for us to dive into with that analysis and with that you know like really dissecting the movie and and getting the the really fun bits out of it it's more of just eh, it, it was there uh but you know like with dramas or with horror movies depends or with action movies of course it depends on the comedy but you know like anchorman you know just be like oh yeah that that was funny now it's dated but sure that was fun there's a lot going on in anchorman there's a lot going on there sure uh there have been some comedies that we've covered through our film fest coverage um most of those might have been before you joined because the chat film fest has gotten progressively more genre centric which is good and i I love that um but yeah we covered some or at least i covered some comedies through that anywho that's cool we're talking about the burbs, Eric. The burbs, starring Tom Hanks. The burbs. The burbs. We're we gonna do that joke the entire night. <clears throat> yeah. So okay. before we get into the burbs, because we're just yes. gonna keep pushing it off. Um, let's talk about <laughs> why our theme this month is Thanksgiving, because we 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 put a lot of ideas out there for November, and it took us like. Pretty much all the way up until Halloween night, essentially trying to decide on what our November theme was going to be. I mean, we and had I'm, a theme decided on, and you were all like, "I don't want to." Uh, what was it? The the time travel thing? Yes. 
And that was your oh, theme. Yeah. I, that was one that you came up with that you're like, oh yeah, I don't want to do that one now. Yeah, I didn't feel like the uh I, I feel like the pun that we came up with that for was was too was too long of a walk. I just and I, I needed <laughs> And that's I what I loved something... about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yep. Maybe maybe next year we'll save that for another time. Um but we essentially I, what I love about this is like we kind of came down to basically like Thanksgiving with Tom Hanks movies. Um and then we also were doing we're like kind of toying with the idea of doing like comfort movies. And then somehow in that conversation it ended up just being yeah, might as well do Tom Hanks movies because he fit both categories. I, I think it was just my constant yelling, the burbs. Yeah, you also <laughs> the burbs. You were like, what movies are we gonna cover? And you were just like the burbs. <laughs> like, okay, that fit. We're like, what about comfort movies? What about Tom Hanks? The burbs. It was God. the hill I was gonna die on, man. It's right there. I've been dying to talk about, <laughs> about this movie. More like the cul-de-sac that you were going to die in. Uh yeah, so Tom Hanks, yes. like he is just an absolute delight. And I I cannot think of a single movie of his that I've seen that hasn't brought a smile to my face. Not saying that they've all been great. Not saying that they've all been perfect. Um, I've, of vanities. I've not seen all of his movies was the other part <laughs> I that I was going to say. I, I watched it today. Oh. But, but like even Castaway, you know, like as sad and depressing and existential as that movie is, it's kind of fun and, and light when Tom Hanks is, you know, going crazy. So, yeah, it makes me not feel so bad when my package is only two days late. Exactly. Nobody or likes when a my late package. package gets lost in the mail. God damn it. I lost my. It's on an island right now. <laughs> so I, I really hope that Tom Hanks is like stranded on a desert island right now watching all of the Universal Monsters. Movies well, that's the thing. I... It's like a Twilight episode because he probably wants to watch them, but can't because it's a deserted island with no power. <laughs> So he's just like, I, fuck, I have all these Universal movies and I have no way of watching them. They're just his friends now. They're his Wilson. <laughs> he I, I he mean, set the, up all the boxes like a dinner scene. So he just talks to them. <laughs> yes. Wait, that's not a normal thing to do? <laughs> uh, I would know. Uh, In the comfort of our home, it's fine. Okay, okay, good, good. I, I was about to have to like go over there and take some stuff down really quick. Uh, yeah, hey, it, isn't that right, Lon Chaney? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, these are the jokes, people. These are the jokes. These these are the jokes. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a shit couple of years. Like it is just just been shit for a while. And so we wanted something light and happy. And and so of course we're yeah. starting with the burbs, the burbs. Um, but but yeah, that's that's part of why we landed on the Tom Hanks theme. Um, <laughs> because our December theme is going to be fun, but not necessarily light hearted. We're gonna have some jokes with it, but um, I, I feel like we're also gonna have a, a few weighty discussions with that one as well. Anywho, we mm. should actually start talking about the movie for tonight. We should start talking about the burps. That that was your cue to say the burps. Okay, that was that that was your cue to say the burps. The burps. Thank you. So, ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> So, Dan, you have been dying to talk about the burps. Let's start with you. Yes. Why have you been oh, dying to talk right. about the burps? All right. Well, to start off, it took me two tries to watch this film. The first time I ever was able to. Actually, I completed, I think, on the third time viewing it. Mm -hmm. First time viewing eighth grade. 
I would go over to my grandparents every once in a while to stay spend the night because my cousin was kind of cool. She was like a year older than me and she'd have sleepovers and shit like that. And it was just always fun. Well, she had this little party and I was terrible at parties. So I ended up going back inside the house and watching the burbs on the couch. And a girl came in and decided to watch the burbs with me. We ended up making out, didn't finish the movie. Got to see her burbs, huh? Forward one more year. My cousin throws a big party. It's I'm a freshman now, and there's like juniors and shit at this party, so it's like a big deal. But I suck at parties. Sure. I end up going back inside, watching the burbs. A young lady comes in, decides to watch the burbs with me, ends up making out with me. This is the lady that ended up taking my virginity. So wow. I have Joe Dante and the burbs <laughs> to thank for basically helping me meet the girl who would take my virginity eventually still didn't finish the movie that night <laughs> but like I said, why why not? for me to eventually finish watching the burbs but now every time i watch the burbs i can't help but think of just like sitting on my grandmother's couch while they're off asleep somewhere in my egg and there's a party going on outside the house and girls come in to make out with me so I thought you were going to say that you can't help but watch the burbs and uh, start getting a partial. <laughs> oh, I, it's not even a partial for this movie, man. It's like... <laughs> there's there's a part of me that likes to think that like you uh, like made out with the girl or whatever. And then whenever you're done, it's like, OK, can, can I can I finish the movie now? Like, can we get back to this? That is sadly the case many of the times throughout my young my younger years. Uh, like. I am not one to take on a movie date because I'm just like the fucking movie's on. Shut up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I am busy right now. Did you just right do now? that shot? <laughs> yeah. like, wait, wait a minute. You came to watch the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I am um, terrible at movie dates. I just want you guys to know this, uh, this whole conversation is reminding, of, reminding me of my very favorite Tom Hanks gif and I'm posting it in the uh, chat right now. So I just want you guys to, uh, it's from Castaway. It's uh, whenever he's trying to make a fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is very suggestive. Oh yes, it's the look it's on his there. face right, too. Yeah, just, I know he just That's... looks so like he's like. Do you mind? That's what really guys, sells like, it. Go away. Yes. Yeah. Like, Wil- Wilson, I'm busy here. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, man. All right. All right, Eric. Is it my turn or is it Nathan's turn? Uh, it's it's your turn. Does your first interaction with the burbs also involve sex? Um, no, it does involve disappointment though. So it's, it's close. It's very um, close. So the first time I watched this movie was actually, it was February of 2019. Thank you, Letterboxd for keeping track of this for me. And, uh, it's a movie that had kind of been on my radar for a while. Like, you know, I'd always, the, it has a very like a uh, memorable poster of Tom Hanks standing in the street with his spatula and, uh, uh, what is the other thing? Garden hose. Movie? Garden hose, yes. Uh, obviously, it's very memorable. Like I said, <laughs> <laughs> it's very memorable. It's got the um, uh, that thing that I forgot about, and the uh, the other thing that it's uh, it's yeah, light. exactly. Um, but I just never got around to it, despite the fact that like I love Joe Dante and grew up watching Small Soldiers and Gremlins on an endless loop. But for whatever reason, it eluded me, and I finally got around to watching this because I watched the uh, the documentary that guy Dick Miller. And uh, and in that documentary, they show like there's this like funny kind of famous behind the scenes vi- like uh, video of uh, Corey Feldman 
being a dick and uh, or like just acting like an idiot. And uh, Dick Miller says something like "Shut the fuck up, kid." And then Corey Feldman acts like he's gonna get in a fight with him and stuff. So like, I was like, "Oh, I want to. I need to watch this movie. This seems interesting." And I also not, like her. Not the only. Sorry, not the only Corey Feldman shenanigans on that. Set. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, he actually brought Michael Jackson's chimp bubbles. Oh yeah, that's set. right. I read about that. Like he yeah. he like kept it in his trailer and apparently like smeared shit all over the trailer. Yeah. And then Joe Dante, Dante had like... to, yeah, he had to throw Bubbles the Chimp off set. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that sounds like a plot point in this movie. It's man. so so ridiculous. Um, yeah. but I also, I mean, like, it's just one of those movies that people talk about all the time. I think I'd also heard about it on Pure Cinema podcasts. Like, they talk about it a lot. Brian Sauer and Elric Kane both like just lavish praise on this movie. Talk about it as one of the greatest comedies of all time. So, like, I'm strapping in for something that I think is going to be just hysterically funny it's got tom hanks it's gonna be a great time and i watched it and i was like okay this is amusing but i don't get it i think that i was like just completely flummoxed by the tone of the movie it's got this weird thing where it's simultaneously like the most grounded premise of any joe dante movie but also like the most wacky execution like i don't think i expected the humor in the movie to be so broad um, and, and it's the kind of thing where it's like, there's a joke in this movie where, uh, Rick to come and says like, uh, safety is my middle name. And Tom Hanks is like, I thought it was Lewis. Like <laughs> uh, kind of like dumbest, most childish jokes you could think of. And so like when I went, uh, I, was like, I believe that you I mean just... the most daddest and the most awesomest kind of jokes. Right. But it's just like, it wasn't what I was expecting. Cause like, I think that Joe Dante is such a skilled satirist in his films and his humor is usually so like it's so dark and kind of subtle and this movie is just so wildly it's just so silly it's a very silly movie and i wasn't expecting that at all so when i went into it i was like okay this is just it's kind of weird and like i think the jokes were played so broad that i missed so much of like the subtle little jokes that are layered underneath like the big jokes so going into it this time, I kind of knew more about what to expect, and I really like honed in on like all of the little things that are so hysterically funny in this movie. Like just Tom Hanks's body language throughout the movie is like every single scene of this movie, Tom Hanks is doing the funniest thing he could possibly <laughs> think of at any given moment. It's amazing. And like it's also subtly really brilliantly crafted. Like there are so many great little um little like cinematic jokes like one of my favorites that i didn't even pick up on the first time i watched it was when uh tom hanks and rick to common are going up to the clopex house for the first time to knock it shows like all of the neighbors watching them and it does it plays like this very like sergi or inya morricone style music and that's it does, like the no that's up. actually that's actually morricone music oh is it real oh okay that makes it, sense that's, so. uh, yeah it's actually his <laughs> the it's it's not from one of his bigger westerns but it's okay. from one of his like lesser known westerns oh yeah they God, actually license i assume that like goldsmith was just doing a, a morricone riff but that's so funny yeah so it does like the morricone music and it does like the leone kind of like zoom in on everybody's eyes and there's one shot where it just zooms in on the dog's eyes 
It is just so stupid. But and like, that dog is giving like the most intense stare of all of them too. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's doing a brilliant. total Clint Eastwood. It's amazing <laughs> how much it looks like a Clint Eastwood stare. And that, and again, it's like there's so much in it where it's like it's really over the top to the point that it just circles back around to being hysterically funny. Um, so I have a I theory know, like, on I all that. Totally that... keyed into it the second time. I have a theory on all that that I'm going to hold off on to uh, until we get a little bit more into the analysis because um, I don't want us to stray too far just yet. Um, so, so, yeah, my first time watching The Burbs, uh, I was young. When, when did this movie come out? It came out in 89. 89. All right. So I did not watch it in theater. I rem- I was old enough to uh, to remember that my family rented it, so I was somewhere between like eight and twelve. I, I cannot remember uh, how old I was, but I remember that we rented it, and old enough to remember, but young enough that I I remember being creeped out by the movie. So like the the uh, scenes in the movie that do lean more into horror, those were the scenes that stuck out to me. And for the longest time, like I remember the burbs being like a scary movie because I was a little kid when I watched it and, and I didn't actually finish it. And so, um, you know, like I, I didn't have any sort of resolution. It was just some of those scenes like the chainsaw coming through the wall or, um, you know, like the, the cult scene. It's so, like, those were some of the things that, that mm. I remembered fast forward, you know, until like this week, um, and I just I had never gone back and watched it like the burbs was always one of the movies that whenever I think Joe Dante that's one of the first ones that I think of whenever I think Tom Hanks that's one of the first movies that I think of but it had been 28 to 30 years ago since I had actually seen it and uh, so this was the first time watching it beginning to end that I can remember if if I've seen it beginning to end before I, I don't remember it um but but yeah i i absolutely loved it and it is so it's so brilliant and so hilarious and uh we're we're gonna start diving into things in a second uh because dan said that this is joe dante's best film hands down and Mm -hmm. i don't disagree but here's one of the things that i want to start uh start off with before we uh, start diving into it being his best Mm -hmm. film most of Dante's early films are his best films not saying like oh you know his later stuff isn't as good but when I was like all right I I adore this movie would I say that it's his best hmm let me look at his filmography and looking back at things like inner space and gremlins and howling it's like I oh my god how do I pick between these movies they're all so good but also different and yes Dan you're about to say something I was just gonna say it's it saddens me so much that like a, he hasn't directed a movie since like 2015. He does like television work now. Mm. But, like for, for yeah, for his like run that he had there in the eighties, it, it, it kills me that he, since like 2000 on hasn't really done much. He's done like Hawaii five Oh or something. Yeah, right? like, he's been essentially a work for hire director for TV. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange. Which, you know, maybe he's like, I've made enough money. I just want to do things that are fun. Movies are too stressful. Eh, I'll yeah. pick up a TV so, uh, episode or a series here and there. Which, you know, makes sense. And and more power to him. I hope I hope that's what it is. Because if it's that he just can't get projects off the ground, that, that saddens me. Yeah. 
I'm I'm really hoping that it's just that that's what he's choosing to do. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. So I, I can't decide whether or not I think that the Burbs is his best movie. I do think that it is a perfect movie, though. And there's there, there's a main point that I want to get into in just a little bit. But let's start with Dan. Why do you think that this is his best movie? <sighs> because I can't separate gremlins from spielberg Mm, that's interesting there are touches in that that feel so spielbergian and i mean we all know you know even when he's just a producer he's often on set and he's got ideas and who's gonna tell steven spielberg to shut up this is my movie so any time like it's steven spielberg and he's great is a richard donner film but it's a there's a spielberg spirit to it Mm-hmm. Um, Poltergeist is a Tooby Hooper film. There's a Spielberg spirit to it. Mm-hmm. So with, I, I can't separate Gremlins from Spielberg. Even part two, which I think is fucking brilliant. Um, I think that's more of that's, a uh, Dante. I think two is a that's more what I was gonna say. film than a Spielberg I think, film. I would argue Gremlins 2 is Joe Dante's masterpiece. I think and, that movie is... yeah. One of the, like, I only watched it for the first time this past year. I don't know how I managed to wait so long, because I've seen Gremlins, like, ten dozen times. I mean, I've seen it endlessly. But the second one, I watched it with my kids recently, because I watched the first one with them. They're like, what, there's a Gremlins too? <laughs> and so I watched it, and I was like, this movie is just fucking absolutely b- just brilliant from beginning to end. It's one of the greatest sequels of all time, I yeah. think. It's incredible. And I can't argue oh, that wild. against you, because it's like... Yeah. They're both so brilliant. I think this one I just like because also it's it's there isn't a there wasn't this isn't a Burps two you know this is the one and done type of thing. He he was able to tell his story with this, and it just evokes so many other things for me. Like I th- I sent you the video of like the Tom Waits song that Tom Waits right. did like ten years after this movie. Mm-hmm. And I, you know I hear that song and I'm like this dude watched the Burps. You know he watched the Burbs before he wrote this song. <laughs> mm. uh, and I, it's and the cast is just so perfect. It you know he took chances on this. This was the first film that Hanks was ever a dad. You know, in yeah, you know, just and now he's to, America's dad. And now he's <laughs> America's dad. But you know, just prior to this, they were tra- trying to make him a goddamn sex symbol in like Turner and Hooch. You know, uh, well, he's he's like he's like naked. Well, pretty much naked for most of that movie. Like, yeah, I, I, I just I just watched this before coming on the podcast. I watched Turner and Hooch, and well, I'm like, like, why is he shirtless and in his underwear? He's so in his underwear a lot in, in that movie because yeah, you know, like he's he's hot off a kid, bachelor like, party and he's uh, fully clothed in bachelor party. Though, you know, <laughs> everybody else is naked in that damn movie. But yeah, like they tried to turn him into a sex symbol in a buddy cop film with a dog, uh, and then you know, oh, let's no, we're gonna make him a dad. And Dante fought him on this because Hanks didn't want to be a, a dad in this film, yeah, because he kind of wanted to keep that little sexy edge he was going with. And Dante was able to be like, no, this is this is my vision for it, dude. Mm. I'm telling Tom Hanks, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to just brief. Really quick, um, in our chat here, Robert Woods um, has mentioned that, uh, well, I don't know if he's saying it's his, it's his favorite or if it's the best or not, but he mentioned Matinee, 
And I also kind of like Matt, th- that was the other movie that I was kind of going back and forth with the Gremlins 2 and Matinee, I would say, are my two favorites overall. Yeah. I think Matinee is just so is so good. I mean, it is yeah. just and he also mentions Explorers, which is another little hidden gem with like young talk. I've actually never seen Explorers, which I can't, it always I got why. dwarfed by Space Camp for me. I don't know <laughs> why it was like. That was like, you know, the volcano versus the Dante's Peak of its time. Are you mm. going with Explorers or Space Camp? And then I was off, I was Space Camp all the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, we, I adore Matinee. We, we did a full episode mm. on it. It's one of my favorite episodes of this podcast. Uh, we just need to a do a full movie. Dante series. Like, full stop. We, we need to cover all of his movies. Because, like, even just uh, with some of these quick mentions, it's like, oh, my God, I, I want to talk about that movie. And, like, oh, man, I know we've already talked about Matinee, but I want to talk about it again. Ah, we, we need We're to talk about Dante. We covered, what, three? This will be our third Dante movie, I think. Uh, we've, we did uh, The Howling and Matinee. Fourth, because we also oh, no, talked about this Piranha. Is our, we also did Piranha. Yeah. 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 No, man. Give me inner space. I will talk about Martin, Sh- Martin Short in that film all day long. <laughs> And I will talk about (laughs) Dennis Quaid in that film all day long because, man, that's the movie where you look at Dennis Quaid and you're like, why isn't he Tom Cruise? And I will talk about Robert Picardo. I will talk about Robert Picardo as the cowboy all day long. Of course. Of course. (laughs) But we can talk about Robert Picardo in this film as well. Oh, my God. It's best garbage men of all time. I want them to be my garbage men. I want an entire spinoff with just those two. Yeah. Except that I don't it's because like, there's they would a spoil Rosen it. Gildan Stern of the yes, world. yes, <laughs> perfect. I felt the same way about um about uh shit. Is it John Sales in and Dick Miller in uh in Matinee where they're like the uh, the actor guys who kind of show uh, like I want a whole spinoff about them. <laughs> Um, oh my god yeah yeah, we we are eventually going to do a dante series uh and just start adding on to the ones that we've already covered um yeah i I don't disagree with anything that you're saying dan and 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 again like when i watched it when i watched the burbs i was like i i love this isn't my favorite maybe but i don't know but also yes but also so many of dante's films are so drastically different that it's so hard to actually say like yes this is my favorite um like even though there's a lot of dante personality to them and even though you can when when you watch a dante film like you see a lot of that personality coming through it's different than something like a carpenter film or a spielberg film which even though all of those are masterpieces because they all have very similar feels it's a lot easier to pick out your favorite of them you know, like it, it's probably a lot easier to pick out your favorite Carpenter film, even though they might all have different. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, maybe not the easiest. But, yeah, I'm sitting here like, uh, it's probably uh, maybe in the mouth of madness. The oh, see, mine would be mine would end up being the thing. Yeah, it's the but thing. It's I, all day I would long. also make the argument for Christine, which is one that most people would not pick. Well, and again, like all of those are great movies, but with Carpenter like you have a front runner like it's much easier to think like okay within all of his movies that have very similar styles this one is the best or with spielberg again like they all have very similar feels to them and so it's a lot easier i think because of that to pick your favorite with dante because they all feel so different 
it, it, it doesn't feel like comparing the two, you know, like how, how can you compare the howling to inner space? Well, that's how- the thing too, is, I mean, he, he doesn't write his own material like Carpenter mm-hmm. does, you know, he doesn't, he works from other people's scripts. So he takes films that do not have anything in common and kind of gives them all his spin on it and makes yeah. them feel almost like they're part of the same universe. Like I, I have no problem thinking that, you know, matinee and the burbs, although separated by time could mm. share a universe, yeah. you know, well, and, and you also the get gremlins universe. Could exist here. Well, and yeah, like you Jack get little nods, in like, both of them. He's you, obviously you, uh, the same character. I, I don't know if either of you noticed, but, um, in, in Tom Hanks's house, he has Gremlins cereal in the background. And yeah. they also have Trekkies yeah. cereal, which I think is hilarious because Carrie Fisher is in this. And I am positive that that was a dig at, you know, Star Trek versus Star Wars. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Eric. Yes, sir. What are your thoughts on on the burbs because uh, you know you started talking about that a little all bit with yes all of your thoughts now you started okay. talking a little bit about how you didn't really get some of the humor the first time but this time it stuck like what yeah. are some of the things that stood out to you this time in terms of like oh yes this is hilarious so the i think the big thing this time that i kind of realized is that um this is a kids movie and not and I, when I say that, I don't mean that it is a movie made for children, which I mean, I mean, children could watch it like that's what I like how family friendly it is for the most part. Um, but the this is the kind of movie that is essentially kind of like. Um, I mean, you think about all those 80s kids movies like the Goonies or whatever. It's very much in that same kind of spirit. It's just the kids are adults, essentially like Tom Hanks. And Rick DeCommon and uh, Bruce Stern are essentially just kids who are bored and are f-ing around with their neighbors because they don't have anything better to do. And they even like go so far as to like have jokes where Tom Hanks is grounded by Carrie Fisher mm-hmm. and they're like coming over and begging for him to come out and play. And she's like, he's not coming out until he's the man until he's uh, the man I married again. And then <laughs> Rick DeCommon's like, we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> well, I mean, they 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 practically oh you know God. double dog dare each other to go ring the doorbell. Of right? Scary. Yeah. And you I know. think like once I honed in on the on the fact that like like the whole movie, Tom Hanks is just whining like a child, like he's pitching a fit anytime he argues with Carrie Fisher. It's so funny because like she's being a normal person, an adult. <laughs> And he's like, come on, but why do I have to? I don't want to go to the lake. That's so boring. Blah, blah, blah. Like, he's he's just a petulant child who, like, there's a part of me that kind of thinks that all you have to do is just change Tom Hanks's name in this movie to Josh Baskin, and it's just a sequel to Big. Like, if, <laughs> if, if Big did not end with him, spoiler alert for Big, I guess, but, like, if it did not end with him becoming a kid again... And it was just him having to be an adult forever. It's like he's taking a vacation from the toy company he works for, and he's trying to figure out like how adults are supposed to behave on vacation. But he keeps getting wrapped up in this like mystery next door, and he can't <laughs> shut off the kid side of him and like not deal with this weird thing that's mm-hmm. going on next door. So that was one of my main points with this movie. <clears throat> is yep. 
this is essentially a kids on bikes, but you know, right. grown ass men uh, in in the suburbs, and uh, I, I think that that's part of why the humor works so well, regardless of how old you are, is because mm-hmm. if you're a little kid, it's little kid humor and it's funny. If you're an adult, then uh, some of the more adult things, which I'll come back to in just a second, you know, like those start standing out to you. But every adult used to be a kid. And, um, you know, like we are all in our 30s plus. Uh, and, and so it's like we spend how many hours a week watching movies and talking about them mm-hmm. like we're all kind of a little bit in arrested development here in terms of we don't want to grow up uh so yeah. you know like there's a don't v- look at my toy shelf behind me <laughs> uh no focus in on that toy shelf don't look with- at my mess behind me because i haven't cleaned my room yet <laughs> It's like, no, that's definitely not a full bookshelf of comic books and comic book related toys behind me. Yeah, my backdrop is totally not an entire wall of board games because I don't want to grow up. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, so like a lot of that humor is humor of little kids having grown up and but but it doesn't feel juvenile. And, you know, like Eric, you were talking about um, like he's basically whining the entire time. And Daniel said they're practically double dog daring each other. But it doesn't feel like they're being treated like children. Like it's not infantilizing or juvenilizing the humor. It's it's like, yeah, these are suburban dads who are just doing a thing. But it is very, very much a, um, you know, like it, it is a sequel to Goonies or to um, it's. Yeah, go ahead. It's just, it's kind of amazing that this movie even works at all because, like, if you had a different cast, like, if you didn't have someone as just so, as charming as Tom Hanks or as funny as Rick DeCommon or as just like kooky as Bruce Dern, like, it wouldn't work. It would just seem, it would just be annoying. Like, these would just be a bunch of adults acting like assholes the entire movie and acting like children and be like, God, shut the fuck up. Like, this is ridiculous. But, like, the, they managed to sell it so well and in a way that is endearing, despite the fact that, like, they're kind of the villains of this movie. <laughs> oh, I, that, that's yeah. I mean, when we get to talking about the ending, they could have easily gone with them being the villains of this. Yeah, film. and we'll have to talk about that because yeah. I'm interested because I'm fascinated by. I, I don't. I'm still kind of going back and forth on whether I think the ending works. I think it does, but at the same time, it's like I wonder if it would be more effective if it was if it went the other way. <laughs> I I have thoughts and those thoughts are it ended the way that it needed to. Um maybe yeah, like all of these characters are like the uh, like the Stranger Things kids or like the Goonies kids, you know, like Bruce Stern is so so very much like um uh oh crap. Um Data. Data. Yeah, he's he's like Data or like um, he's got the trench well, I mean, they, they legit have a Goonie on the street. They really have yeah, I mean, they do. <laughs> <laughs> i love that like cory feldman is like guys i've been on enough adventures i'm just gonna stand here and watch you guys go on an adventure i love that his character is there and, <laughs> yeah, he is literally just watching the movie like yeah. this yeah. whole character that's so great oh man and, like, and i love that he treated it like that too like he has friends over he makes <laughs> snacks they call the pizza dude the pizza guy, yeah. they, they break the fourth <laughs> wall at the end when he says i love this neighborhood 
yeah. yeah, no, the, the pizza. Something you would expect more from like the elders of this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who you would think would just sit on the porch and watch the world go by. Right, but yeah. No, he's like trying to convince all his friends, <laughs> guys. This is the greatest thing ever. You have to do this. Yeah, that. And I that, guess <laughs> most of those cast were actually like Feldman's friends, like in real life. They just. Well, one of them's Nikki Cat, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's like those guys are just his actual friends. Well, and the, this the, was yeah. that Ricky right at a party. They only had so many people to you know use. <laughs> and that that pizza dude line was uh, like that was a direct reference to uh, Ninja Turtles. I think it was too early for Ninja Turtles. Was I'm it? Trying to think. I think Ninja, was Ninja Turtles eighty nine or ninety. It was ninety. It was ninety. It was Ninja Turtles was right after this. Wait, what? But what? Feldman again, though, was a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> was the voice I, the, I could have. Well, then maybe he was referencing uh, the Burbs when he did it, because I thought yeah. for sure that he was doing a callback to Pizza Dude's Got Thirty Seconds. <laughs> Wise man say forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. I wonder <laughs> if he paid for his late pizza because the pizza was late, wasn't it? He ordered like an entire car pizza. of pizza. How? Why yeah. did you order that? It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> that, that delivery man was busy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah. So watching the burbs, it felt like watching. Again, something like The Goonies. It felt like watching that kid adventure movie. And that's where so much fun comes in. But set in the most mundane setting ever of just Mm. the suburbs. And Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, like it's some some middle class white dudes who are just tired and bored and coming up with these stories. And that's like middle aged malaise of. Well, being stuck in the like it's it's kind of like the the whole idea of like when you there was the whole uh, i guess i don't know if it was like the 80s or 90s but it was like we're all moving into the suburbs which is making us all beta males or whatever and it's like this is their i was reading a guardian article i'm not going to take full credit for this but they were talking about how like there was this fear of you know everyone turning into beta males and so this is a movie about a bunch of beta males who think they're alpha males trying to prove how alpha they are yeah See, and I was just watching it as a bunch of, you know, middle-aged, middle-class white dudes who got bored and start making stuff up. And uh, speaking to someone who does live in a bit of a cul-de-sac, um, I am very much the dude that, like, when, when there's a new car driving in our neighborhood, like, I'm the one peeking through the blinds, like, who is that? What are they doing here? Because, like, you, you can't help it. That's just kind of what you do. Or, like, some of the conversations uh, that they have about... Uh, each other's lawns you know like things that just don't matter at all and how much time is being wasted on just you know manicuring your lawn i love that that's a plot point but also uh tom hanks's bit at the beginning when carrie fisher is just like here let's go to the lake you're you're on vacation you need to like go be on vacation he's like this is what i want to do on my vacation i just want to sit here and watch tv and you know drink a few hundred beers and and smoke a cigar outside and it's just like yeah i get that you know like but i also love though that that plays into a lot of the issues that we have now it was kind of a little bit ahead of his time where he doesn't know how to relax. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, all of us, I, I have taken, I'm sure, vacations where at the end of the vacation, you're like, I kind of f-ing wasted that vacation. I don't yeah. feel any more relaxed than I might actually be more stressed than when <laughs> I right. left work because you plan so many things for your vacation that it becomes more stressful than work. 
And I, I liked that aspect of it. That enemy character Fisher was perfect at like kind of just pointing that out. Like you are, you know, you're not good at this. <laughs> She's so good in this movie. Like yeah. honestly, like I love that she is the only person who acts like an actual adult. The garbage men act like adults. I love like do what? So the garbage men act like adults. Oh, Robert Picardo absolutely does not act like an adult in any way. He's like, like when Dick Miller's yelling at him, like, why don't you help? And then uh, Art comes over and starts dumping the trash out and he helps him. He's like, what? You told me to help. Like, he's not an adult. He is so an adult. I no, he, he he's the college stoner who's taken his philosophy 101 course and is like just telling everybody who'll listen. <laughs> Which is and, you know why he's arguing about the like property. Your grad student who was just like, shut up. You know? <laughs> they are perfect. I know what I'm fucking doing, man. Like, get off my yeah. back. Just do the job. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so yeah, like not so knowing funny. how to relax. Again, watching this movie almost two years into a pandemic. Like you watch it, at least I watched it very differently than I probably would have otherwise, because, you know, like there's been a lot of days that I've been just, where did my day go? Like what happened? And then the weekend gets here. It's like, all right, finally I can relax. Wait, nope. Can't relax now. And, and so like, I get that struggle of wanting to just, just stay home. I just want a day off, but then not knowing what Mm -hmm. to do with it and letting your imagination run wild and then breaking into your neighbor's house and blowing it up. Like, I understand that. We've all been there. We've all been there. And I, 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 again, I think that that's where so much of this humor comes from. And part of why it works so well is just because of how relatable these characters are and how relatable the story is. And, and again, like some of the stupid jokes, they're funny because they're not funny. Like the, my middle name is danger. I thought his middle name was Lewis. That's not funny but it is hilarious. It's, it's, it's the kind of thing where like the first time I was just like, this is so obvious, but the second time around I watch it and it's like, it's so, it's such an obvious joke and it's so goofy and dumb that it, that like I said, it circles back around to being funny. Mm-hmm. And it's also like <clears throat> so much of the humor in this movie uh, for all of the broad jokes that are just, like, you know, like the whole like Ray, this is Walter. And they just start going, no. And like the camera zooming in and out. And it's, it's really <laughs> funny. I love it. Like for every joke that's like that, there are also just like so many other jokes that are, that are funny, but like they're funny in a way that it takes, like, at least for me, it took me, it would take me a minute to process how funny it is. Like just little, I, so many of my notes are just lines that I wrote down that mm-hmm. like, that just cracked me up where it's like, uh, whenever they're talking about, uh, part of it, like take that scene, for example, where he says safety is my middle name. And he's like, do you know what you're doing? And he's, and, uh, art just goes, Ray, electricity is our friend. Like that doesn't explain <laughs> anything that doesn't make any, that's not helpful in any way. It's just like electricity does it like, I don't know. There's just like something so funny about like how unflappably stupid art is. And how he is all like, no matter what, he is just like, I am determined to do this, even if like the truth is staring me in the face, like I'm still going to stick to my guns and just see this thing through. <laughs> like, I don't know, there's just so many little things that's like, it's not like laugh out loud funny, but it seems like the kind of thing, like the more you watch it the funnier it gets one of my favorites and this also ties back in to that earlier point of they're essentially just kids is when they are over at their neighbor's house and like he spills tea or coffee or or something on him 
And then they ask him, I, I forget what they ask him. Doesn't matter. We're basically just telling the, the uh, funny bits of this movie. <laughs> we need to get back on track with some of that analysis. But I love when he just stands up, just holding his crotch. Just, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like it's, uh, oh, so, I mean, to, to kind of get him back on track, but still going in with the humor of this film. I, I said mentioned before that this was filmed during the writer's strike. It was only one of two films being shot on the Universal lot at that point. But because they could not use the writer at all on set, Dante let them riff yeah. all the time. I mean, and I think that really comes through in this is you've got some just genuinely funny people. Yeah. Allowed to say, like, uh, uh, one of my favorite lines in the whole film that was, and it, it's not someone that we expect to be that funny, is Dern's one. He's like, hey, Pinocchio, where are you going? <laughs> like, that wasn't in the script. He just took a look at the kid's outfit. He's like, you look like fucking Pinocchio. I'm using that. Oh, my God. Bruce um, Dern was and hilarious. And so many of the famous lines in this film are ad libbed are lines. Mm hmm. Which which I'm sure the writer's like, cool, I get credit for all this. But, you know, <laughs> they're making me funnier than I am. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah there. Another one that I that is so fun. I'm looking at my notes here. The one that just like again, I didn't really catch it the first time, but like after thinking about it for a second, like this is hilarious. Is whenever <laughs> they're talking about needing to get holy water or whatever, and he's like, my cousin is a priest. He can give us a deal. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's just such a weird, like, non sequitur line to kind of throw in there. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like in the moment it makes perfect sense. He's like, Yeah, we need holy water. I can get a deal. But it's just like the most ridiculous <laughs> thing to think about. Like, oh if they actually follow through on that, like calling up a priest and being like, Hey, we need some holy water. Can you cut us a break? Well, this, yeah. this entire movie, it feels like. It feels like just a bunch of friends getting together on a weekend and just making a movie in their backyard. And, you know, some of it is uh, all, all, all of that ad-libbing. Some of it is um, Corey Feldman being there, like, as a stand-in for the audience, especially at the end. Again, when he turns to the camera and says, I love my neighborhood. Um, mm. But, like, the, the scene that you mentioned earlier, when he's like, Ray, this is Walter. And then the camera is zooming in and out. And yeah. then it just stops. It's like, okay, let's go. Like, it just feels like a bunch of people getting together and having fun. And I, I wonder how fun yeah. the set was. I really hope that they had as much fun making it as, as we were watching it. Because, oh, my God, that mm. would have been just a shame if everyone there like hated it or if it felt like just a grind but well, apparently hanks did not like rick dukeman at all like I, they did i not can understand that <laughs> yeah that that i find i i read about that too and i was kind of surprised to hear that because they seem i mean they have such good chemistry hanks is a professional team. man he's a professional <laughs> that's very, very true he is such a professional but i mean like it also so kind of it, there's a it's like he's funny and they're friends or whatever, but it's more like a friendship of convenience. It's like, oh, he's the neighbor, so I have to be yeah. friends with him. I have to be friends with this guy who will come over to my house, eat bre eat the breakfast that I made, and then without asking, he just walks over to the refrigerator and starts eating like the leftover... He takes out a rack of ribs. Yeah, the leftover <laughs> ribs and just starts chowing down. I love the writing gag, like every single time that Art goes into someone's house, he immediately goes and starts looking in the fridge. <laughs> Yeah, but that plays well, like you said, because he he's he's that guy that's fun to be around for a bit. 
Uh-huh. Until yeah, he, man, he wears out as well. You're just like, yeah. you, you go away, dude. You're, you're fucking driving me crazy. Eventually, yeah, like, eventually you're a shell of a man because of him. He is like, yeah. <laughs> he is like a mouth in the Goonies. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, All right. So also, oh, go sorry, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just um, I, I'm just thinking about like how, how funny this movie is. I, I, I do want to just point out, like, I think that for as much as we love Tom Hanks and everybody loves Tom Hanks, there is something about like I, I feel like we kind of still to this day underrate him as a physical comedian. Like there are things that he is doing in this movie that are just hysterically funny in the most subtle of ways, like from the uh, I, I wrote about this in my letterbox review, so I'm repeating a little bit. But like from the very first like moment of him getting hit with the paper, pausing for just a second <laughs> and then tossing his coffee at the kid as he passes oh, by. Yes. So like one of my favorite things is so funny and just like so subtle and weird is like whenever at the end of the movie, when he when the house blows up and he's walking out and he's like in a daze. The way that he goes down the stairs, <laughs> like I, I, this is one of the moments that I rewound like four or five times just to figure out what the fuck is happening because mm-hmm. he he looks like he is just gliding down the stairs, but like he's yeah, doing he, this I thing where he slides down them. Yeah, he's like like, it, like <clears throat> he's like paddling his feet up and down. Like it is the craziest <laughs> thing. Like I, I I'm not get like I watched this so many times just like. How the fuck did he do this? It is very yeah, Charlie Chaplin esque. I would break my neck if yeah. I tried to do that down a set of stairs. It's a total Chaplin thing. And then even like one of my favorite moments of the entire movie is the bit where like when Tom Hanks reveals like, yeah, whenever you guys were distracted by the dog, I went down and I saw the toupee and he's kind of like walking toward the fireplace and he's staring and I he doesn't blink a single time. Like for a good like what like two minute monologue or whatever he's he's just sitting there staring with his eyes wide open talking about how he's not going to come back until he finds a dead body and his just like (laughs) the mania in his face and how well he sells that is just it's incredible like Uh i can't think of another actor who would be so dedicated to material that is so silly and just pull it off in a way that makes it look so easy i mean yeah and it's it's incredible that he started out his career doing all of these comedies mm-hmm. and then has just pretty much aged out of them. Yeah. I mean, he'll, it's... Still, he'll still find himself in like something like lady killers, which is funny, but not like he's, like you said, he's a very physical comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene in, I mean, I, Oh Christ, pretty much the whole movie of the money pit is physical <laughs> oh comedy God. for him. Yeah. It's it's practically him doing a Buster. It's a Buster Keaton yeah. film, you know. Um, and even he, like one scene where he does this like losing his shit laugh for about thirty seconds longer than is comfortable, and it makes it even funnier. Tom and, Hanks loses his shit better than anybody. <laughs> like yeah. the 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 bits in this movie when he's like trying to relax in the backyard, and then Art comes over and he's like crushing the beer cans in frustration, <laughs> and then he get and then he tries to go inside and gets hit with the door, and then he crushes the beer cans in frustration, <laughs> like the already crushed beer cans again. <laughs> like it's just so. I get like you get almost any other actor in that scene and doing that same thing, and it's just not funny. It's just weird. But Tom Hanks sells it beautifully. All right, one, one more piece of relatable humor, and then I want to talk about other things. Um, yes, yes, I'm sorry. When when Tom Hanks is yelling at Carrie Fisher, 
and his son comes in and is saying that you know the neighbors are out there throwing trash on the yard and he's like your mother and i are talking what <laughs> we're like he's in the middle of yelling at his wife and his kids there and he's like we're having a conversation it's a super obvious joke that's been done in so many different comedies but like it, and it's the kind of thing that feels like such an easy gag but when tom hanks does it it just I don't know. It just, there's just something about it that is so much funnier than, well, like, than even, any other kind of movie. Even this. when he's being zany, like he is playing such an everyman that he's not playing it over the top. You know, like even though he does a ton of physical comedy, he's not yeah. like Jim Carrey rubber facing it. And, you know, mm-hmm. like he's not. That's a good. Yeah, he, he's not like so overselling the comedy. He is just mm-hmm. being himself in very it, bizarre situations it's just you know more of his uh later movies the situations aren't as any so here's one of the things well, that i, I want to talk it, about sorry you brought this up i have to say this really fast Fine. i think it also really helps to have carrie fisher there as an anchor to kind of like keep him from floating too far away mm-hmm. uh, because like to have her reacting to him and to like recognize how stupid he's being also makes it funnier and then there's also the bit where like so much of this movie is just him seeking his wife's validation like another of my favorite bits of the entire movie is whenever they're at the clopex and they're passing the sardines around and before he takes it he kind of like looks over at carrie fisher to like get her permission to accept the sardine and she kind of like just does like uh, okay yeah, you go ahead you do that and he's like okay and he's like i guess i have to do this now it's just so it's so good it's so funny well and again like that also ties back into uh, them essentially being kids so i want to talk a little bit about some of the horroriness of the movie in the sense that like the only scenes of horror that you get the entire movie are the dream sequences which like oh i i, I love that sequence i love that entire run of uh again like the chainsaw coming through the wall or the um the cult stabbing him and all this other stuff and it's so weird because uh i don't know about the two of you but again when i think the burbs i think horror comedy i don't think Mm. straight comedy but this movie is a straight comedy like it's not a horror comedy really there's the end. very little horror there. Like it is the kind of movie that I feel like even in this rewatch, even though I just watched it for the first time a couple years ago, I remembered there being more horror elements to it. Yeah. It's I, I keep, I have like two distinct sections of my media room, the horror section and all other movies. <laughs> and sure. when this film came in, I literally sat there dead center or on the left, right. Others on the right, just going, where do i put it you know which section do i put this in yeah because like it's got all the elements of it but Mm. but but they are but they're not there except that they are we'll get to the ending bit in just a minute but the fact that the only aspect of horror in the entire movie except for the end we'll get there are in his dreams again like i i just love how this movie is such a straight comedy, but when you think of it, you think horror or when you're trying to figure out where to place it, you don't know. Do I put it in the horror section or the everything else section or um, again, like just the fact that mm-hmm. a lot of the humor comes from what they are imagining and what they think is going on over in their neighbor's mm-hmm. basement. 
and yes it turns out to be true but like so much of that of the, the sort of like the mistaken identity or um it, it to me plays a little bit like um uh, uh crap uh the man who knew too little i was gonna say actually yeah. dante's described this as his version of trying to make a suburban rear window yeah, no. <laughs> Which, it is, yeah it's, where, where it's, instead of looking out your window you're on your lawn you know yeah yeah and and, and, and much totally, like rear window i mean this film never leaves this cul-de-sac yeah not mm-hmm. even for a other than the opening scene where it turns the universal logo into the world and zooms in oh man that opening that shot is uh, is so good it is incredible but, yeah other than that it never once leaves that street and that's that's insane to yeah. think of, you know. Well, that also only takes place in four. Like piece. chamber is just of four block, you know, four or five houses. Yeah, yeah, over the span of like three or four days, like it is such a short period of actual time. But it feels like so much is going on. Uh, but yeah, like it, it feels kind of like the Bill Murray and the man who knew too little. But rather than a person not understanding what's going on it's like you know a group of people thinking that something is happening when it's not really happening except for the fact that again it really is happening but again it's it's so weird to me that even though all of those horror elements are there they're also not there and and it gives this movie a very mm. odd feeling of again of just is this horror is this comedy but one of the yes. things that i wanted <laughs> yes it's both uh, but one of the you know, things, I mean, you, you could write up a summary of this film, not lie one bit about what actually happens, and it will sound like a horror movie. Oh, yeah. Right. At, Easily. <laughs> yeah. Like, you could so recut a trailer to this and make this like a uh, uh, make it Disturbia, essentially, because that's yep. what it is. It's Disturbia, but funny. It's uh, uh, oh, Summer of 89, I think was the other one um, that came out a few years ago. Where it, oh, yeah. again, it's essentially about like the murderers next door, and there have been so many of those movies where it is you know like the quiet guy next door who ends up being the this big murderer, but in this movie like they're really leaning into it, but then you get to the end, it's like oh no, everything's just fine. But mm. before we start talking about the ending, one of the things that I wanted to ask both of you, because I've been thinking about this a lot lately with how many horror movies I've been watching that have been involving kids. There are so mm-hmm. many movies. Uh, I, I think that I like really started to think about it when I was watching um, sundown, the vampire in a treat where one of the little girls is like just way into vampires. And then she thinks that she sees a vampire because she saw a vampire. But the dad is just like, oh, no, you need to stop watching all those horror movies. And then he says to his wife, like, what are you doing? Letting her watch all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. The three of us love horror movies. Mm-hmm. The three of us have kids. Mm-hmm. If your kids and mine are still way too young for this, which is why I'm just asking the two of you and not actually answering it myself. But if your kids came to you and it's like, hey, dad, uh, here's this horror thing that I know that I saw. Like, would you take them seriously? Because all of these horror movies start with the dad saying, no, you're crazy when the kid is actually right. Even if I think he's wrong, I'm totally seeing this as my chance to do the burbs. (laughs) I'm like, if my kid came to me and was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a monster in the lake. I'm like, he's probably saw floating wood, but yes, let's go see if there's a monster in the lake. (laughs) 
oh, man. And, and that's how I would totally treat that. Honest to God, I'd be like, but, yeah, I don't think you're right. I kind of don't believe you. But yes, let's <laughs> fully investigate this as much as we can. Let's have I, fun I, and do what I said. Let's have fun with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and I honestly, I think that that's actually the right thing to do because a, you're validating your child's feelings, which I think is incredibly important, whether they are correct or not. Like, you need to treat them seriously and help them to understand, like. This is something you're feeling. I'm taking it seriously. I want you to know that I support you and I'm going to help you with this. Like, so even though like you're going to have fun with it, it's still like probably I would say the best thing to do as a parent. And then second of all, like the act of going and investigating this, you're also allaying those fears because you're going to be like, OK, look, it's it's a piece of driftwood. It's not a, it's not a Loch Ness monster or whatever. Yeah. But so like you're helping them to confront those feelings and see that it's not as bad as they thought it was. But how yeah. many horror movies Which, revolve around the kid being right? And there actually is a it, monster. Right. And there actually is a yeah. ghost and there actually Which, is a thing. Which, what's great about those premises is that they usually are in I mean, is that like in real life, that's not what usually happens. So that's mm -hmm. what's great. Also, I also want to point out too, like one of the things that bugged me about this movie the first time around is I hated how naive Carrie Fisher is throughout the movie where it's like they make her the smartest person, but they also like make it too easy for Tom Hanks to kind of like make her go away so he can like, like trick her into thinking that he's on her side or whatever. But like talking about it in this, like I was thinking about this earlier, but this conversation makes me think of it. Like, I feel like this whole movie Carrie Fisher is doing exactly that to Tom Hanks, where she's like, I know that you have to get this out of your system. And mm -hmm. I know that the only way for you to get over this is for you to just go through it and fail, which I think is yeah. also like a pretty good, to a certain extent, you know, like you want to protect your children, but you also have to let your children make mistakes <laughs> and figure out, like figure out things on their own. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, I think that this movie to a, certain extent this is at least i don't know if this is intentional or not but this is my head are you saying that carrie fisher didn't believe that rick dukeman's golf outfit was real <laughs> right yeah because there's the whole thing he cuts up for that so golf ridiculous. outfit he's like yeah i got my golf clothes on because we're going golfing right yeah. golf yeah i think like, she knew so exactly what was gonna happen and was just like yeah whatever <laughs> just you're gonna end like, up even <laughs> i'm not going to be here when She's... it happens <laughs> She's just the fucking bet. Yeah, she she leaves because she's like, I'm not going to witness this. Yeah. I'm just going to let you do your thing. I'll come back and I'll pick up the pieces. Like she's so support, even whenever the police are there, yeah. and he's like explaining, like, yeah, I blew up their house or whatever. She's looking at him and smiling. Like, <laughs> I don't know. She's like, either I get my get rid of my dopey ass husband who's an idiot and he goes to jail forever. Or he was right and it's over and we're going on vacation next week. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think she that just, it's some, she knew she had all the cards out. She, I she think it that everything. it's somewhere in between because when he tells her that he likes her haircut and then later is like, really, I like your hair. She gives him a look. I'm just like, oh, sweetie. Like it's I, I think that it's somewhere in between wanting to get rid That's, of him or yeah. knowing that he's right. But uh, but yeah. Um, for, for as, as much as he's kind of a dick to her throughout the movie, he's also like they they have little moments like that where it's like you understand why they are a couple, even if or like playing Jeopardy and, together, and very like, cartoony situation. But. Them playing Jeopardy together and keep yeah. yeah score that was actually Hanks and Fisher that came up with that idea. Yeah, 
like that was totally the, the thing. And it's <laughs> that nice little touch because it feels like something a couple who've been married for a while. Yeah, my wife do. and I literally do that. All, like, we watch Jeopardy <laughs> all the time. And it's funny, too. But, like, I love that they just get it wrong every time, too. Like, that's so... It's a good joke, and it's and it shows their relationship. It's great. So, I want to take, like, half a step back uh, and point out that both of you are saying that you would not believe your kids uh, in a horror movie. I'm just, no, I'm just but saying, I would make if, sure I'm, that they I'm feel just saying, like I believe them. I'm just saying, if you were I in a horror be, movie... I mean, we would still investigate, though. Like, just, I'm just saying. Right, exactly. Just, just saying. <laughs> I, I also... But I'm going to take some garlic at when we go along. Just sure. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um... This also brings me to uh, one of the things you, you've mentioned the dream sequence a couple times. I have to talk about this for a second because it also kind of goes along with my theory that they're all kids. I love that dream sequence so much because of how well set up it is. Like everything mm-hmm. that happens in that dream sequence is set up beforehand. And I love so much that the reason why he has a nightmare is because he stayed up late watching horror movies. Yep. <laughs> like he's watching a bunch of horror movies. Like Tom Hanks is watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Which is, um, I would watch an entire movie of just Tom Hanks watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. <laughs> I think that just seeing his face as that movie happens to him would be amazing. Because that movie is crazy. And I can't, like, I don't think of Tom Hanks as a horror person at all. And I just, despite the fact that his first movie technically is a slasher movie. and Yeah, but that's it. Like, he's never really touched the genre again. Right. And how long he's been working, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the closest thing that you get to that would be like, uh, I mean, Saving Private Ryan, maybe. I mean, like, that's a war movie, but I mean, yeah. that there's really nothing else that I can think I that even comes. Well, and to be fair, though, he did direct an episode of Tales from the Crypt, which I yes. watched prior to this. And it's pretty good. Um, also, spoiler alert, but it's amazing. Treat Williams murders Tom Hanks by slamming <laughs> his head through a TV and Tom Hanks was only in that compromising position because he was trying to clean the head of his VCR, <laughs> uh, which is just amazing. So funny. Yeah, that uh, joke would be lost on so many people now. <laughs> There's like literally like, a shot what? of like imagine the zoom window is the interior of the VCR, and he like opens the VCR, and you see him looking into it from and the camera shooting from inside the VCR. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Truman Show. Um, <laughs> But anyway, I just love the, I love how well set up that dream sequence is and the fact that he has a bad dream, which also involves like art story about the murder or whatever. And then he wakes up and watches Mr. Rogers neighborhood <laughs> to, like, make himself feel better. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, goes on to be Mr. Rogers in, mm-hmm. in right, a movie, right. which is kind of funny. But yet another show about a neighborhood, you know? Yeah, exactly. Did you, did, did you, did you discover who the houses were that they were in? <clears throat> I did. I I didn't know it from watching the movie, but they basically like used the facades of like was it the monster? Yeah, they were filming on them? Mockingbird Lane. Yes, it, in it, one it, of the houses. I think it, yeah, Corey Feldman's house was the monster's house, and Hanks's was the Leave It to Beaver house. Right. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I love that Dante just throws shit in like that. Mm. You know, like, I guess they. They the studio originally wanted them to find like a neighborhood to film in, and Dante reminded them that most most homeowners would not be okay with them going up their yeah. house and setting up. 
and it's the right only, only, most only two films were being like produced by universal during the making of this one was fletch lives and the other was this so they had they had the entire universal lot to play with so that sounds amazing by the way like just yeah. can you just imagine being on the set and it's like because like i read too that they're like coming into work and there's nobody there it's just this yeah. these two film crews so like they're just literally hanging out on the set all day goofing around to make mm-hmm. this movie that just sounds like the best job ever yeah, and the cul-de-sac eventually became the desperate housewives cul-de-sac right yeah also robert woods mm-hmm. is throwing a bit of trivia in here which i also i find amazing the uh the dog walter's toy poodle queenie is played by the same dog that plays precious in silence of the lambs no way that dog has seen some shit that dog, <laughs> and again that dog has perfected the clint eastwood glare i can't stress enough like, yeah. how good yeah, of an actor that dog is that that's why she was able to uh to have that glare because she knows she knows what was going on yes. in the basement yeah yeah Speaking of what was going on See, in the what basement. they're not telling us, and this would be fun for like one of our little games, one of the f- further houses down the street is actually Buffalo Bills. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Because there's one house in between, uh, in between Walter's house and, uh, and uh, what's a shit, Rumsfeld's house, yeah. where you never see anybody there. And it's just, that's just Buffalo Bill. He's just in the basement the whole time. He's the real person they should be watching out for. Yeah, eventually when that neighbor dies, like he just goes over and takes Queenie. And, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. and, and because of everything that's already happened on this street, no one's like looking for serial killers on this street. Right. Yeah. We know Walter has a bad heart. He's going to go any minute. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Bill's just like, this is the perfect place to live right here. No one will ever <laughs> care what I'm doing. Oh, see, I was going to say that he moved into the Klopex house because, uh, you know, Tom Hanks just already dug the pit for him. Yeah, he's got that. He, he, he started the maze. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, when the gas line blew, it probably blew it even deeper. So it's yeah, that's the exactly. Go. Yeah, it's already yeah. He just <laughs> built right on top of it. Perfect. Yeah. So we have Tom Hanks to thank for the murder pit. So speaking and of his first, his first victim was probably uh, Rumsfeld's trophy wife. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Wendy Shaw, yeah, absolutely. We see him dancing around as her uh, later on in Silence and Lamps. So, speaking of the basement. The hair. Yeah, the hair's right. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Speaking of the basement of uh, the Klopex house. Eric, earlier you said you don't know whether or not you think this was the right ending. I think that it was, but make your case first. Or, I mean, if, honestly, if like you the, don't have a case, just talk through some of your uh, why you think it is or isn't, because I very much think that it was the right ending. But what are your thoughts? I do like I, I think I I do like the ending overall. I'll say that, like, I think that it is a really funny, like ironic kind of uh, final last joke that they throw out there. But there is a part of me where it's like this whole movie is about how, again, like, Tom Hanks, Rick Dukoman, and if I, I can't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right or not, but um, and uh, and Bruce Dern are the villains of this movie. Like, I think about myself and me being a neighbor who mostly keeps to themselves. Like, I don't, I'm friendly with my neighbors. Like, we'll wave to each other, whatever, but we don't like hang out, you know. Mm-hmm. And I also kind of have an antagonistic relationship with one of my neighbors because they're just assholes. 
and they hate it whenever my kids are just outside being kids. Like, not even going in the yard. Anyway, so I just... Um, Love it. I like to keep to myself. I don't like it when my neighbors try to intervene in things that I'm doing or, like, call shit out or whatever. Like, I just want to keep to myself and have my own place. But, like, I imagine myself as the Clopex and just having these nosy neighbors who are just constantly, literally, they're literally breaking into multiple houses in the neighborhood because they just can't resist the urge to figure out, like, to get into everyone else's business. You know, I mean, obviously the movie, I'm a little torn, too, on, like, Tom Hanks' final monologue at the end because it's amazing whenever he's, like, freaking out and he's like, we're the lunatics, we're the bad people. Like, it's, it's you know, it's kind of obvious, like, the, it's spelling the whole, like, thing out for you at the end. But Tom Hanks sells it so well that I can't be mad at it. But, like, there's a part of me that wants that to be the punctuation mark at the end of the movie where it's like, yeah, we recognize these people are assholes and we're not really going to let them get away with it. Like, Tom Hanks should be in prison. Let's <laughs> Let's get this straight. Like, he breaks into someone's house thinks he finds something in the basement and literally blows the motherfking house up. He he should also he should be dead, honestly. <laughs> like also, I love the cartoon all he pretty much does is it just burns away like his nipple the nipples on his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> he has like a little bit of hair missing on the side. Yeah. He has a black eye or a swollen eye. <laughs> so yeah, there's a part of me that like it kind of bugs me that the movie validates them. But also, it's pretty funny to me that it validates them in the end. That, like, after all this... Like, I guess the ultimate punchline is that, like, they don't do anything right. They fuck up every single thing that they try to do in this movie to the point where they even fuck up so bad that they... They realize that their neighbors are not murderers, only to then realize that they actually are murderers. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he has the whole revelation at the end... And then the movie immediately says, no, actually, you were right. It's, yeah, yeah. It's and they like, fail upwards completely. Exactly. Like, like They didn't they, solve this case so much as it just, like, happens. Like, yeah, and like, and the whole bit at the end, we, we haven't talked about the Klopex hardly at all. They're all so great. Uh, but, like, Henry Gibson, at the end, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense that he would try to murder Tom Hanks in the back of the ambulance while they're still in the neighborhood. Yeah. It's kind of a it's kind of a stretch, but um but whatever, because it's so funny whenever he comes in and there's the whole misunderstanding where he Henry Gibson is literally like trying to spell out to Tom Hanks. He's like, I am going to murder you. Mm-hmm. And Tom Hanks is like, Mr. Kolpeck, when I get out of prison, I'm gonna help you rebuild your house. I'm gonna like he still just doesn't get it. And then when he does get it, <laughs> His thing is, oh, I'm sorry, I think I forgot my wallet. <laughs> super, super, super quick aside. I love when uh, Tom Hanks picks up the stretcher and throws into the back of the ambulance oh, and God, just goes lie so down. Funny. It's perfect. That was also that was also completely ad lib. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, I don't know if you guys the Arrow Blu-ray. It's it's sadly only re- Region B, but the Arrow Blu-ray has like the best documentary it's got a work print edition of this film yeah i want to see that because it's not super different but it's it's an it's a unique thing and then there's commentaries it's just this was one of the reasons i bought a region free player was this particular disc Mm. because the u.s version sucks it's just it sounds great yeah and there's also like the air yeah the arrow one is amazing 
there's also like apparently they tried different endings where like so like the mm-hmm. big reveal is the clopex for whatever reason are keeping all of the the bodies in their trunk mm-hmm. um spoilers and yeah or they're keeping all the skulls or whatever in the trunk mm-hmm. and so apparently there were other versions where like instead of just a bunch of like uh you know anonymous bones they had like the two garbage men at yeah. one point where people like they had murdered Dick Miller and Robert Picardo, which I think would have been pretty funny. And I'm, I wonder yes. why they didn't do that other than the fact that like maybe audiences were just like, no, don't kill those guys. They're awesome. <laughs> they wanted the spinoff. Right. I, I yeah. We have that. They wanted that potential. A sequel potential there that you can't. Yeah. Um, my favorite of, of the Clopex. I mean, this is saying something because I love Courtney Gaines. He's like my favorite thing about children of the corn. So yeah, he's Malachi. It's not my favorite part of this. It's, it's brother Theodore. Because brother Theodore, Rube. he's fucking amazing. I uh, he, I almost want to call him like an avant-garde artist type of thing, where he's hmm. almost like a modern, more modern Bukowski. But he he just had this act that was just he was cranky and he was like he's not acting in this film at all. Yeah, that is his persona one hundred percent, and I. The reason that he's always shouting is because he is functionally deaf by this point. So he can't hear what people are saying. So he's actually yelling his lines thinking he's saying it normally. Um, But yeah, he's one of those guys where if you just start Googling and YouTubing him, you will fall down a rabbit hole that will just leave you like you won't want to ever stop. So what you're saying is that he lives his entire life at a nine on the tension scale. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> no, he, he does. Like, I mean, I sent you guys the clip of him on the Letterman show from like the yeah. mid, and that's him toned down. <laughs> like, towards uh, there used to be this old show called Disinformation, um, that he would do like a Brother Theodore segment on. That they were just the greatest things ever. And that's mm-hmm. what I remember him mostly from. He apparently but, yeah, he a tankerous man. He apparently mm-hmm. was the voice of Gollum in the Rankin and Bass Hobbit movie. Oh, yeah. really? That's yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Huh. And I don't think he had to change his voice all that much. <laughs> <laughs> not much. <laughs> so, so here is the reason for me that I am glad that uh, that the Burbs ended the way that it did. You're not wrong in that they are essentially the villains of the movie, but they're so relatable. And, and, and by they, I mean, um, you know, Tom Hanks and Bruce Stern and uh, Rick Dukeman. D- 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 How do you pronounce his name? It's Dukeman. 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 Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, he, he's an old. I remember him from like old comedy specials on HBO in the 80s. Yeah, I remember him from Blank Check. So <laughs> so Rick Dukeman, uh, Bruce Stern and Tom Hanks. Like, yeah, technically they're the villains, but they're so lovable and they're so relatable. And you know like they they are just they they're just good people who you know get caught up they in They may their own be heads. assholes but there are assholes. Exactly. <laughs> so here uh, here's the reason that I'm glad that it ends the way that it does. For one, yes, they might be assholes but they're lovable assholes. And it's such a happy movie. Like it gets a little bit dark uh, at times, but overall 
this is a feel-good movie. Like, this absolutely is is a comfort food popcorn movie because it's just fun and it's lighthearted. And even, again, the darker moments are... Um, are sort of uh, like bookended with comedy and they're just having fun with it. And I mm. do like how dark it gets towards the end, but I'm glad that it brings it back with, Oh, but don't worry. They were right. So everything's going to be okay because I feel like even though it does get really dark there towards the end, I feel like if it had ended with, Oh, and by the way, Tom Hanks is an asshole and going to jail. Like, I don't, I don't feel like that would have fit the tone of the movie. It just, I, I also kind of wish the movie the of this film though, is yeah. they gave us two endings, both of which work. Right. Well, that's true. Yeah, it does. Try, it does have its cake and eat it too. Like it, yeah, it really does here. And that, that fails so often in movies when you, a film, you think it ends and it goes on like another five minutes for a twist ending. And you're like, Oh, they, they just left it alone. Yeah, technically the twist ending is that, like, this movie does have a twist ending, and the <laughs> twist is like, oh yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, and I would have been, I would have honestly been okay with either. Yeah. Either just, thing, I'm, what, they earned both, I thought. Yeah, you know? if, if it had gone darker, then I think that upon a rewatch, I would have focused more on those darker elements, and uh, mm. there would have been a lot more of a. All right, it seems like a comedy, but ooh man, there's all of this darkness yeah. hiding just underneath, and like it definitely would affect the rewatch of of the tone of the movie. Mm. So, so yeah, like if it had ended with more of that darker, like yep, they're all going to jail because they blew up this house, and they're the bad guys. I think that it still could have worked. Again, I'm glad right. that it didn't because that's not the movie that I wanted. Here's the other reason that I'm glad that it ended <clears> the way that it did and why, to me, it absolutely works. This is the closest thing that we have to a um, Clark W. Griswold Halloween special. Like That's fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah, this could easily be a vacation movie. It's yeah, just it's, Lampoons the Burbs. It, it, yeah, National so, Lampoons Staycation. It <laughs> so could have nice. been. Because again, like everything that they're doing, they're doing wrong, and somehow they keep failing up and they keep messing things up. And uh Rick to come in, like, can't you just see that being cousin Eddie? Yep. <laughs> and, oh yeah. Like all of those pieces are there. And it even felt in as rusty. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, this, this could have been a National Lampoon's vacation movie, even down to the ending, because it reminds me of Christmas Vacation. You know, mm-hmm. like where um where Chevy Chase is just <laughs> losing it and he's committed a felony but still gets his Christmas bonus. That's very true, yeah. Yeah, this, like this everything is, is going horribly wrong for him and it feels really dark, and then somehow they convince um uh, what's his name? Uh, Bill Murray's brother to you know give him the Christmas bonus. Brian Doyle, Brian Doyle Murray. <laughs> thank you very much. I'm very bad at remembering names when I have to talk about them, <laughs> and the mic is running. Um, yeah, like it, it it ends on a happy note, and that's how this movie felt. It felt like Christmas Vacation, but during summer staycation. Mm. But uh, again, also closest thing that we're going to get to uh, National Lampoon's Halloween movie. Mm. I'm now referring to this as National Lampoon's Staycation. Like, uh, <laughs> as well you should. 
Yeah, that's a, that's such a good yeah, that's a really good comparison because because like I've never really and part of it too is just National Lampoon's Vacations movie I, that's just in my blood. I've seen it so many times that like I I can't be critical or objective about it anymore, but like I've never had that complaint about Vacation where it's like, yeah, uh Chevy Chase should be in jail <laughs> at the end of that movie. Which he should, absolutely he should, should by the, by normal logic. Yep. At the end of yeah, your they should all be. In he isn't. He should be like wanted across all of Europe. You know, by the end <laughs> right. of he spends the first movie. You know, even before he you know kidnaps John Candy, he's driving a corpse across straight state lines. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation should have never happened because he should have been in jail <laughs> that's, a long time ago. That's a month right there where we watch the National Lampoon Vacation month and, like, see how many crimes have actually been committed <laughs> throughout the entire series. <laughs> the crimes of Clark Griswold. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Crimes of instead of, instead of the crimes of Grindelwald, it's the crimes of <laughs> Griswold. That is the that yes. is the sequel that we truly <laughs> should have gotten. Yes. <laughs> oh <Love> man. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> yep. Uh, I don't know if I have anything else to say about the Burbs. Um, I I could keep talking about it for a while, but I feel like everything else that I would say is just more of a. Hey, here's this other thing that I love. Here's this other thing that I love. So yeah, uh, there's so many yeah, so many great lines. You know, like my wife is home. <laughs> so, I love that they they finally introduce his wife in like the very last yeah. scene of the movie, and she shows up for all this. She, yeah, you just see her in a wide shot, and she's just like got her arms up, like what's going on? Yeah. But that 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 bit, it's another one of those things where it's like it's it's another like super obvious joke that you've seen a million times, where it's like or. Your wife is home and your house is on fire. My wife is home. Like it's just it's <laughs> and, and so you, dumb. You, but... And at that point, you know, too, like none of this movie would have happened if his wife had been home. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he would have been reeled in within like five minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like the whole movie, he's like sitting there, like you know, like getting mad at Tom Hanks because he's so henpecked by his wife, but then, like, ultimately, it's because he's also in the same exact situation. <laughs> his wife just doesn't have to be on. Oh, oh, we actually, uh, Bob left us a link here. Uh, there is some, someone who wrote, who did a YouTube of all the laws broken in Christmas vacation. Oh my god, it's real. Yeah, someone's <laughs> yes. Ooh, I have to Thank check you, this out. This is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, we can't I watch it right now because you know that that would make for terrible podcasting. Yeah, yeah. we should. Just, yeah, we should just watch it and just no. as soon as we're off the air, I'm watching that. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> oh man, yeah, good movie, The Burbs. I'm Great glad that movie. I had a chance to rewatch it because I probably would have gone a lot longer thinking, ah, eh, it's okay. Eric, that makes me yeah. sad. That, yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm glad you've grown to love this film as much as it deserves yeah. to be loved. The, the, there's a part of me too that I'm kind of sad that I didn't watch it with my kids this time because, like, I was trying to think before I before I like watched it for this podcast. I was like, is this appropriate for kids, or is it yeah. too scary, or like? I showed I even... my kid, I think, when he was around ten, and he yeah loved it. He went insane for it. Yeah, I think like Ian would absolutely love this movie because he's starting to get into scary stuff. And then Owen, he's younger. He doesn't like horror movies. He doesn't like things that are scary, but he kind of likes spooky stuff. He likes Ghostbusters and stuff. So like, I feel like this movie fits right in that kind of Ghostbusters. It's not even nearly as scary as Ghostbusters, honestly. No, no not nearly as creepy as Ghostbusters. Also, quick aside, 
I don't know if you guys ever go to Common Sense Media, but it's one of my favorite things to do. A, just because <laughs> as a parent, it's a good, like, the site itself is good to, like, gauge how much, like, violence and sexual, you know, just, like, what kind of content is in the movie. Right. But my favorite thing about Common Sense Media is reading the parent reviews, where they, like, <laughs> recommend how old your child should be to watch this or whatever. And the most, like, without fail, with almost every single movie on there... Something like The Burbs is so funny because people are like, yeah, you know, I mean, there are scenes of, uh, like, you know, skeletons in the car and there's a there's a scary, uh, you know, scene of Satanists trying to barbecue Tom Hanks. But, oh, my God, there is so much language. It's just you have to be 17 years old to watch this movie because of how much language there is. Like, it's it's so funny to see where most parents priorities lie. <laughs> like, you could look up you could look up something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They'd be like, yeah, I mean, you know. Somebody gets like hit in the head with a meat cleaver in this movie, and it's like viscerally disturbing. But like, they also say "fuck" a few times, so like, that's a no go for me. Yeah. So like, it cracks me up the, the priorities parents have with their kids. And we've mentioned this every single time we talk about some of the you know just, just weird ways that people uh, say that some things are okay and others not. Uh, it's like in the '80s version of The Blob where the kids are yeah. wanting to go to the um uh like the weed whacker killer or whatever like the yeah it's like oh it's okay there's nothing bad in it like sex uh <laughs> it, yeah it's super weird um that violence is just like ah oh, they'll be fine but oh I no there's boobs so or there's sex like oh no forbidden uh although there also, are some people on this movie who are just upset that it has satanic stuff in it which we didn't cover this much at all but this movie does have a fun little like satanic panic kind of uh, angle to it which is especially funny because one of the movies Tom Hanks made before this is Mazes and Monsters, which <laughs> yep. is a hundred percent satanic panic propaganda. There's also uh, Dragnet, which has the oh yeah, they have the pagan. are pagans. Yeah, <laughs> the people against good and normalcy. You know? <laughs> oh man! Oh god, I good forgot stuff. about Dragnet. Ooh, oh <laughs> that yeah. Are you about to tell us this is going to be your pick for, for Thanksgiving? It is one of my top choices right now, yes. Um, speaking of a cleaver in the head, again, very minor aside, but it's funny, so who cares? When Tom Hanks is having his dream sequence and uh, he sees Walter holding Queenie, and they both have axes in the head. And Queenie has the tiny little axe in her he head. Has a yeah, there's a tiny axe. It's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if I ever get a toy poodle, that's what I'm going for is Halloween. <laughs> Love it. Yep. All right. I don't think that I have anything else to say about the burbs other than it's a perfect movie. I absolutely adore it. I, I hate that I've only seen it twice at this point, and I hate that it's been almost 30 years since the last time that I saw it, but uh, even so, Eric, it makes me sad that when you saw it the first time, you were just like, eh, it's fine, but I'm glad yeah. that you saw the light. Yeah, me too. Again, this is the, the what I love most about this podcast is it, uh, even, like, I can be kicking and screaming like, oh, I don't want to do this movie, so, like... <laughs> Which I wasn't feeling that way about the burbs. I was like, I'm, I was kind of glad to have a chance to revisit it because I felt like I had to be missing something because yep. everyone loves this movie so much that. Um, so I'm glad that I was able to go into it and just focus in on all the little things like even just like, I mean, we've barely talked about Joe Dante, I feel <clears throat> like, and just the 
amazing way that he puts so much detail and everything just from like little things like when Tom Hanks steps over into the Clopex yard and the wind picks up and it gets really scary or whatever and then he steps back into his yard and immediately stops like that's the kind of like great little details that you get from a filmmaker like Joe Dante and you know so many other like for hire studio guys wouldn't put that kind of love and attention to it and that's ultimately why this movie is so good is like everybody is just giving a shit about this very silly movie. Yeah, Dante seems like he's the type of guy who you could talk about movie. It seems like he would have an encyclopedic knowledge of movies. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because of just the little things he throws in like that. Yeah. Where he'll be like, oh, I totally stole that from this movie, and this movie Mm -hmm. used this, and this is a little nod to this. Yeah, like when, uh, when Tom Hanks is standing there and it goes to that wide shot, I am positive that that was supposed to be a visual reference to the exorcist. Like mm. just standing there next to the streetlight. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And yeah. like there, there's so many little things like that thrown, uh, thrown in this movie. And some of them are a bit more obvious. Like when, uh, the Cummins telling the story about what's his name over on Elm street, um, or, <laughs> yeah. or on Elm, he doesn't specifically say street. And, uh, so like some of them are a little bit more obvious, but there's a ton of just little winks and nods and like, Hey, you've seen this movie. Yeah. Great background details. Like the, the, I I really want to watch this movie again and I'll probably watch it again pretty soon with my kids because I think they would love it. And, and I, it's the kind of movie where I feel like you'll probably pick up on something new every time you watch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it has so much of those little granular details in it, well, especially now that it's on Blu-ray, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you could literally well, I see watched the granular. The first few times I watched this, it was like my grandparents had recorded it off of HBO onto a, a TDK <laughs> tape on SLP, so it was like the worst quality possible, but still super enjoyable. And now that you know, now that it's high definition you're like oh yeah that's a picture of lucille ball on the clopex like <laughs> exactly in their house you know <laughs> that's weird <laughs> came with the frame Came with a frame one of his two <laughs> lines in the whole movie i love it. <laughs> also love to uh, speaking of granular details it's so funny that the way he gets caught is because he slips on dog shit <laughs> like the movie doesn't even like point it out at all but like the way like it's so obvious that that's what happens he just slipped on the duck shit because the way oh, he falls and uh I, all right i said that i didn't have anything else to talk about but apparently we still do um yeah oh my god dante does a great job not just in this movie but in a lot of movies of uh first off following through on Chekhov's gun in ways that you do not yeah. expect like for instance with uh the dog taking a crap in uh, bruce stern's yard and then because he because Dante very clearly knows how to handle Chekhov's gun and because he very clearly understands how to use that he also throws in some misdirects which are just so beautiful like when Tom Hanks is like hey do you want to see my new tools like surely surely those are going to play some role like he's going to use those to break into the clopex house or he's going to use them to do something like surely these tools in this bright red toolbox are going to come back into play nope not ever well and it's perfect it's perfect character development too because it's like i am the i am the beta male it's like look at my tools 
I have them just so I can show you that I have tools. No, yeah. see, to but, me, that's so I can make a joke. Ever, and know, I'll help you rebuild your house. I have new and it, tools. And it was his father-in-law who got them. Right, yeah, him, he didn't even know. get it himself. See, and to me, that's not beta meal. That is just, oh my God, the suburbs of, you know, like you're talking to your neighbors and like, hey, do you want to see my new tools? Like, yep. That's, that's 100% my life, said. too. Like, every tool that I own was given to me by my father. Like, he bought me a yep. socket wrench set. And, like, I remember when I got it the first time. It was, like, right after I moved out. I was like, thanks, I guess. But yeah. also, like, I use that fucking socket wrench set all the time. And yeah. I never would have, like, thought to get it for myself. But my dad, like, I don't know. It's just Yeah, that's, like, a truly adult purchase for a young, for, a, like, a young person. It's right, like, yeah. When you actually buy them your, for yourself. Because I had to do that this summer. When we were taking down some some brush, I had to go out and buy like a sawzall that was you know battery pack power. I had to get some stuff to fix my lawnmower, and it was like, oh, this is I'm a I am officially I've graduated to being an adult now. <laughs> yes, well, I can and, do manly things. Look at me fix my lawnmower. And and again, <laughs> like uh, staying with all of that suburban stuff. The like when to come, it's like, oh, are you going to actually use those for anything? It's like, yeah, yeah, I think I will. <laughs> where it's like he very clearly has never used them they're just nice and bright and shiny and he's showing off his new tools because uh, yep alright any final thoughts about the burbs uh, good movie yeah it's awesome which, which Hank's film are we going to do next mm, that is the question yeah I, are we I moving on I think that to... we were going with Dan's pick next Ooh, all right. I th- I so, Dan, what have you got on the docket for us? We are going to. Uh, I, I wasn't prepared because so I didn't know what was going to be next. But <laughs> so I, I can't like name the director right away because it's not anybody that's super famous. But we're going to go with the uh, the Tom Hanks uh, Sally Field film Punchline. I am very excited about this because it is the kind of movie where every time I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to. I'm so curious about this movie, like Tom Hanks and Sally Field doing stand up. And then as soon as I like click off of it, I forget that that movie exists entirely until it pops up again in probably 30 years. But I remember and I, I haven't seen it that often, maybe once or twice. But I just remember it being absolutely fascinating to me because when I was a kid, HBO had these stand up specials like every week. Like, every Friday night, it was called, like, um, oh, fuck, I, I can't even remember what it was called, but, like, every Friday night, they had a different, like, it's how I first discovered Rick Dukeman. Every mm. Friday night, it would be a different stand-up comedian. One Night Stand, that's what it was called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it'd be, like, a half an hour long special every Friday night at, like, midnight. I'd stay up for it. So, and stand-up comics fascinated me. Mm-hmm. And here was a movie devoted to, like, what it takes to be a stand-up comic and it starred Tom Hanks and Sally Field. So I had to yeah, see that's, it. That's so interesting, especially like I, I'm curious to see like both of them doing stand-up, but also mm-hmm. it's got John Goodman for one thing, which is great. And yes. it's from what I'm reading, it's like kind of a drama. Like yeah. it almost feels like the same tone that, that uh, Judd Apatow is going for with funny people. Yeah, I, I think it actually probably has a lot in common with it. Another thing uh, that's more recent, it kind of reminds me of uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel. Uh, you know, I haven't best. seen that, but it sounds uh, great. First season, I haven't seen it past the first season, but the first season's brilliant. Um, but yeah, it's that kind of bored housewife wants to do something new with her life, so she decides to be a stand-up comedian. I, uh, I've never seen it. 
it's directed by David yeah. Seltzer, who wrote The Omen. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. You know, so and, there's... <laughs> and Prophecy. Common, common, common connection between those two. And uh, his first directorial credit is for, like, a National Geographic special. Huh. So, yeah, I, I picked this mostly because it is such an outlier in Hanks's 80s output. Mm-hmm. Where he's got such huge films that everyone remembers, and then this is the kind of forgotten one. Oh man, yeah. So I'm very curious to see how this goes. I I am hoping it holds up well. I don't want to be the one that offers up the film that sucks. But well, it might, if if, if, if you do, I it's okay. Remember, like, as a kid. If uh, yes, if, if it sucks, it's okay. We we still got two more picks after it. Ah, uh, <laughs> we should wrap things up though. Fine, fine. Dan, where do you want people to find you? Uh, you can find me over at my blog, which I have been very... I have not been good with it the past few weeks. i got to get back on that. I'm going to write up some Thanksgiving uh, 90s movies. But uh, from H- HBO to Front Row.com and HBO to Front Row on Twitter. And Eric, where do you want people to find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at the Chimerican. Uh, it's T H E C H I M E R I C A N. Um, I'm also on uh, what's it called? I almost said Letterbox, <laughs> which I am also on Letterbox at Eric J A Y Instagram Chimerican Reviews. And you can follow me at slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxed at Video Monster Pod. You can also follow me personally on Letterboxed at the Gargoyle. That's G-A-R-G-Y-L-E because it's a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to keep coming back for more of our Thanksgiving, uh, just be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just do a search for Video Monsters as we continue our Thanksgiving series uh, with our Tom Hanks movies. Love that sign more than I should. It's I I know I picked this up at, at Walmart for a few bucks. I was like, yeah, what the f- why not? Uh, and then when I started putting letters on it, it was like, ooh, right. I I kind of love how it looks. And and now I just you know want to have the nice black light on it the entire time, so it's all green and glowy, which doesn't make sense to anyone who is not uh, watching this live. But that is a perfect segue to say uh, you can listen to and watch these episodes live on Discord. Uh, we have chats going on throughout the week and then we do our live episodes Tuesday nights 9, 9.30ish, depending on when our kids go to bed on Tuesday nights um, if if they go to bed sometimes it's like last night where it's like 10 o'clock and they still aren't asleep and it's like, alright, yeah, we're pushing it back to Wednesday uh, but in general, Tuesday nights 9 o'clock on Discord you can follow along, uh, chat along in the chat and um, you know just come have some fun listen to us talk about Hanks and other people and movies and sometimes we're less tired than we are now and we make more sense uh, and if you do want to follow us on discord the link is posted and the Facebook page which again is video monster pod uh, so you can go there and find the link to discord join us and come talk movies with us all right that's been it for this episode of video monsters I'm Nathan I'm Eric and Dan. <laughs> and remember, kids. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Yeah, good. Perfect. Yep. <laughs>